Hi, this is Tia Sirkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 171 of Twin Suns Transmission. We're very excited to talk about all the news related to Star Wars recently, and of course, we're going to be continuing our discussion on Disney Gallery The Mandalorian, where uh, we'll be talking about episodes 4 and 5 on technology and practical effects. Uh, So obviously very exciting there. I do want to take this time, however, just to to basically say hopefully everyone is staying safe. Obviously it's a crazy time in our world right now, so hopefully everyone is uh, taking the correct precautions to um, stay safe and and healthy during these times. Let's go ahead and get to the news. So the first thing is something that we briefly touched on on our book club podcast. Uh, Unfortunately, this is not good news. But the High Republic, this is something that a lot of people were very excited for, highly anticipated, right? They they had this whole, like, secret reveal, Project Luminous, and uh, they made a big deal out of it. And unfortunately, on May 26th, Lucasfilm sent out a press release and created this article that basically said that uh, so much for August, you know, um, due to COVID and everything, they're going to be delaying the release of the High Republic content until January of 2021. So sadly, this gets delayed. And, you know, I know a lot of people, they were going to, they were going to release this at Celebration, which, I mean... As of today, it's June 1st. We're recording this in the morning. Celebration is still on. So. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. (laughs) There's no no way. But I am glad they're clinging on to hope. (laughs) Yeah. I just wish they would make an announcement. I know. (laughs) But it looks like the first book is going to be released now on January 5th which is Charles Soule's adult novel, The High Republic, Light of the Jedi, and Justina Ireland's middle-grade novel, Star Wars, The High Republic, A Test of Courage, are both going to be released on January 5th. And then Claudia Gray's novel, Into the Dark, will now be February 2nd. So, gotta wait a little bit longer. Yeah, it's a bummer, but one good thing that did come out of this with, um, like, the official letter they put out um, from the creative creative director at Lucasfilm Publishing, like, in, like, one little line towards the end, what I felt like was, like, little teasers of, like, tidbits of information. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about in that letter, Mm -hmm. but 
he said that when um, you can, we'll hear from all those authors this summer, and when we do, we should be sure to ask them about the hero of Hetzel, the twins, the blade of Baratoda, the Staros and Santeca clans, and the storms. That I just thought that was very exciting to get, like, just those little tidbits of names, especially the Santeca clans. Yeah. we know a Santeca. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll uh, get trickles and little, not, not necessarily teasers, but little aspects that, like, they'll release so that we can get more excited, you know? Yeah. But in the meantime, something that we can get excited for and enjoy, um, young and old alike, uh, the Star Wars Kids YouTube channel is going to be putting out a new show on June 3rd called Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge. And this is so nostalgic. It is basically like Legends of the Hidden Temple from when we were kids in the 90s where... There's like everybody's wearing their bright colored shirt on their own teams and their their kids that are going through these like it's basically like American Ninja Warrior for like little kids like doing all these crazy like puzzles and challenges and climbing up and down things. I don't know if you guys remember what I'm talking about, but that is what this is going to be in Jedi style. Um, there is a little trailer for it on the Star Wars Kids uh, YouTube channel. Um, most exciting is probably that it's going to be led by Ahmed Best. He is the, what would you call him? Like the show? The host. The host of the show. And he's not being Ahmed Best. He is actually playing um, a Jedi. Let me find the Jedi's name. Yeah, he will be playing Jedi Master. Oh boy. Jedi Master Kelleran? Jedi Master Kelleran Beck. Um, So he is playing a Jedi in this that's leading all these younglings um, on their own Jedi path journeys and seeing which team can make it to the end and become Jedi. Um, so along with Ahmed Best as his Jedi master self, he's going to be accompanied by a droid played by Mary Holland named AD3, and we're also going to get to hear the voice of Sam Witwer as the voice of the dark side throughout this show. So this is going to be really cute, something just fun to enjoy on the internet this summer. In all the darkness that this world is right now, this just seems like a beacon of just happiness and light. Um, I know I'm going to enjoy it, even though it's definitely for children. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully there'll be an adult version. That'd be so awesome. I know. I keep like, I'm like, I want to do this. Can I be the, <laughs> the little kid Jedis running around? Yeah. Who will become a Jedi Knight? And like you said, there's going to be, or there is a trailer online right now that you can watch and um i'm just glad ahmed best is getting back into the community me too i'm really happy to see him again he's just such a a happy dude and i'm excited he gets to be a jedi this time around (laughs) yeah so like you said this is coming june 3rd and so by the time this podcast airs it'll probably be right around then so it might already be out by the time this airs which will be pretty awesome So another awesome piece of information is on May 28th this year, we got the announcement that a new virtual reality experience is going to be coming called Star Wars Tales from Galaxy's Edge. 
So this is a essentially a virtual reality experience based on the Galaxy's Edge theme parks at Disneyland and Disney World. And it's in development by ILM X-Lab, which, I mean, if you've been to some of the celebrations before, they've had booths there kind of promoting some of their new stuff. I believe the first time I saw that they were at a celebration was Celebration Europe, Celebration London. And I'm pretty sure they were at uh, Celebration Chicago for Vader Immortal. But it's in collaboration with Facebook's VR unit, Oculus Studios. So it's expected to be released later this year exclusively for Oculus Goggles. So I'm very excited about this because I got the Oculus Quest for Vader Immortal a couple months ago. And um, it's it's amazing. I mean, it truly is immersive. You feel like you're in the, the world. And this is going to take place between Episode 8 and episode nine on the outskirts of Black Spire Outpost. So this is super exciting and I can't wait to play. Yeah, this sounds crazy. I'm excited they're doing more with um, those Oculus goggles because I feel like when they first came out, it was very limited, the you know options right. you had of what you could do, what games you could play. There's not very much. Um, so initially I was like, ah, is it worth it for one game? I don't know. I still haven't purchased it, but like the more that's coming out and the more especially Star Wars stuff like this is it just sounds so cool I've still never done like true virtual reality I feel like I tried it when it started to become a thing yeah a while back like where you could do it on your phone with like like plastic goggles Mm -hmm. and it was still horrible (laughs) makes you want to throw up but this like just seems from everything I've heard from everybody from you trying it in your own house that it's just like mind-blowing so I can't wait until I can come over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is amazing. And, you know, obviously you get, you stand next to, to Vader and stuff, and he's, like, huge, you know, because Vader's big. I'm so I don't know. <laughs> it is kind of intimidating. <laughs> um, but I'm very excited because I loved going to Galaxy's Edge. I loved Batu. It was, I mean, I cried. When I saw the Falcon for the first time, I cried. And its I'm very excited to kind of bring Batu into my home. So it's going to be I cool. know, so many people's Disney trips getting canceled this year. I was going to go, I should have seen Batu like a week ago or two weeks ago. Like, where is time? Yeah. I don't even know. But <laughs> I was going to be on Batu. I had, we had the plans. We were going. And I'm sure I'm in the same boat as so many people that their Galaxy's Edge plans for this summer just didn't work out. But it's cool that we'll get to have it in our homes for the near future. We'll get to bed too. We'll all get to bed too one day in real life. But this will be good for now. Okay. So with that, let's transition to talking about Disney Gallery The Mandalorian. And I'm very excited about this. Every time we watch more of these episodes, I just get more excited for the next season. I know it's, you know, still months away, but I'm just so excited about this. And as I watch these, I just couldn't help think about when I was a kid and I was making my own Star Wars movies with my action figures and, you know, filming things off the screen and my cousin and I, we would literally, like, we would literally record us playing through a video game onto a VHS tape. 
and then show it in my parents' home theater, and we'd have popcorn, and we'd make it like a whole movie night, and it's literally just us playing video games, you know, going oh. through the story, and I don't know, That's I've, cute. yeah, I mean, we were little movie makers, and my cousin's still pursuing that filmmaking profession, and I don't know, I just can't, couldn't help but think about that, and I'll talk a little bit about more of what we did as we, as we talk about this, but, so... We got episodes four and five recently, technology and practical effects. So what did you think of these two episodes? These were, like, honestly, especially this technology episode was kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, We heard, you know, John Favreau talk about this when I I think I watched, like, a special on TV not too long ago about how he made The Lion King, and, and I heard him... He talked about that in in this episode too, but during that special, he went into depth about like the virtual reality um, part. But I didn't remember him talking about like anything to do with like adding this whole gaming aspect to it. So it's just incredible how much, how many different technologies they tied together to, to get the Mandalorian. The fact that they used video game tech. Like, it's honestly so mind-blowing, I don't even know how to talk to it. Because it's, I was sitting there watching it, and I was just like, oh my god, they have so many different things going on while they're directing that they're trying to put together. I just don't understand how they're, like, coordinating all of this. It's, yeah. it's, it's mind-blowing. It was really cool. So, the essence of this technology episode, and if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend watching it. Um, but basically... They created, and I'm pretty sure they said this was the first show ever to do this. Um, they created like these big screens for the sets, and yeah. the they would have the backgrounds on there that could move. So if the camera moved, the background would move with it. So I know it's probably kind of hard to understand if you haven't watched it, but it's essentially to replace a green screen and doing everything digitally. So all the actors can act as if they're in the scene you know if there's a ship in the background it'll be in the background you know on the screen in on the set so it it works really well with you know the actors being able to act without being actually at like a physical location you know right and they even like i think they even had a screen sometimes at physical locations like just for lighting references like if something was running past them or whatever like they got the actual shadows of whatever was Mm -hmm. going to be cgi placed around them later they still had the physical shadows or lights that would be reflecting off that specific scenery around them so that it was real. Like you saw the real reflections in Mando's helmet, the real shadows on all the other actors. So cool. Yeah. And Giancarlo Esposito, I mean, was all about it because you feel, you know, you see like the sun and you are climbing on top of a, a ship, but you can see the surroundings and it makes it yes. easier to act. And I think um, Carl Weathers was talking on that too. You know, it's it's amazing how they create these scenes without actually going on location or, or whatever, you know. Um, they had talked about 
John Favreau said this, and I don't know why, but as he was talking about it, I was like, I want that job. I want to do that. <laughs> and it was basically like if you had something that was on that screen on the wall, it had to like be matched up on the floor, you know, so that it would be in both places. And I was like, I would love to be able to like match up the dirt that's on the screen with the dirt that's on the ground. Like the I, guy with like the little broom, like piling yeah. it all up perfectly. <laughs> Yep, I would love that job. Yeah, it's just it's just cool because we see so much of other behind-the-scenes footage where people are in front of blue screens or green screens, and they even talked about how something I didn't realize that you have to actually take away the reflective light that comes off of blue screens and green screens when you go into editing. There's yep. like actual that color light reflecting on the actors and the other things around them, so... It's cool that they eliminated that problem for themselves. But then when you're watching these behind the scenes, it's almost like you can tell that it's not fully edited. And you can tell that like they're, it's going to be, it obviously looked way more polished when we watched yeah. The Mandalorian. But I almost felt like behind the scenes, I was watching The Mandalorian again. Like it's just it, everything was there. Whereas opposed to you would normally see just nothing, a screen <laughs> with yeah. actors standing in front of it pretending. And you, it has to be, I mean, obviously the technology has to be there to get it right, and it is. We're finally getting there, but I feel like it makes it, number one, so much easier for actors to understand the scene, and number two, you know, it's probably cheaper than, than you know, piling up a whole crew and actors and, and everything to go on location somewhere, and number three... It makes it easier in post-production because you don't have to make all those edits with green screens and, and stuff like that, you know? So yeah. I think all around, because the technology there, this is going to make things so much easier for the future of filming, especially movies and shows like Star Wars that are in such fantastical places, you know? Right. It'll, they'll be able to take it so much further. And I think the coolest thing about this is that you can kind of see that George Lucas, he's, he's like a, he's like, he can predict the future, you know, like he has this in yeah. his mind. He's always ahead of the times. And George Lucas, since the beginning, since Star Wars first was being thought up, wanted it to push the limits of special effects. And here we are. And George was like, yep, you know, people are going to be able to make these movies in their garages. And it's just, yep. it looks so real. I love that every single episode they reference back to George. And they don't let themselves or us forget that, like, this is all because of him. And the fact that this is, you know, technology. Like, I mean, we even hear him talk about how, you know, that's kind of the reason he went back and did one, two, and three, like, later, because you need, obviously, far vaster technology for, you know, Jedi flipping around and doing crazy things in their prime versus what we saw in A New Hope. So, I just, I don't know, I just love that they keep giving him credit and that they call the whole entire technology that they've created basically George's garage um, as, like, a homage to him, because... It's, it, you got to thank the maker. <laughs> yep. There was one part of this, too, where Dave Filoni said that he was sitting back, and it was in episode, it was for episode six when they were doing that one. 
in the space station hangar where he had to like sit there and try to figure out what was real and what wasn't you know so even when you're sitting there on set it's like wait is that real like you know it's crazy if you can kind of trick the people who are on set about that i mean it's just gonna translate so well to viewers i know and there was even that moment where they said somebody thought the set was on fire because the screen was showing some like smoke in the background Mm -hmm. it's just incredible let's talk about practical effects a little bit and the beginning of this segment John Favreau and Dave Filoni were talking about it. It's almost like, you know, when you're a kid, you play with your action figures and you have Boba Fett fighting the Jawas and stuff. And again, this brought me back to when I was a kid. So my cousin, he went to some class. I think it was like a summer class or something. And we're probably 12 or 13. And he learned how to make stop motion movies. So essentially what you do is you have your little action figure right and you hit record and then you stop the camera and move him into a different position and keep the camera where it's at push record again so as you have this movie it looks like because you're stopping the camera to repose him it looks like he's moving on his own you know right so like if you had luke skywalker and you had the version of his lightsaber hilt in his hand that didn't have the blade on and you filmed that and then what we did is we had a sound effect of a lightsaber turning on so i would put the blade in the hilt and i would hit record and i'd hit as soon as i hit record i would hit the lightsaber sound and then as you watched it back it looked like luke turned on his lightsaber you know so so cool yeah so we made all these little movies and we made them funny and stuff because when you're 12 you just you know I remember, yeah, I remember like my Ben Kenobi went flying into my parents' hot tub and he was underwater and we were filming that. You know, it's just like silly things that I did when I was a kid. We did movies for school related to Star Wars. And so we were these little filmmakers. And I remember looking through some of my visual dictionaries about droid parts. And I was like, I want to go to the junkyard and build my own droid and find my own parts. And, you know... These characters and, and these, you know, Dave Filoni and, and um, uh, John Favreau, and I've heard them talk about things like this before. I remember listening to a behind-the-scenes thing for Rebels, or it might have even been a panel or something, where Dave said, you know, as a kid, when you're playing with your action figures, you always have, you know, the good guy would uh, essentially at some point steal the bad guy's ship. And that's why he put Zeb in the TIE Fighter in rebels you know and then the rebels have a a tie fighter that sabine then goes and paints and you know the rebels hijack the imperial tie fighter and so i did that was as a kid too and so it you it makes you relate so much more to dave filoni and to make you feel it makes it makes me feel like i could make a movie not trying to say that i'm like dave filoni or anything no like it's very it's very motivating to want to get out there and and be creative Yeah, no, it's really cool, especially to see them use this old school technology that they don't necessarily need anymore, but they recognize it as something that is just integral to what, like a a visual that you see and you're like, this is Star Wars, because that is what's nostalgic to Star Wars is that old school tech. So they're trying so hard to 
like I thought it was really interesting how they go in and start talking about how they had to look through, you know, the old movies and think about what's old school tech because it had to be old school tech. What can we start using new tech on and what about the old school tech is what we need to keep to make it look like Star Wars. Like what can't we take away and that makes it integral to Star Wars. And so I thought it was cool that part of that was leaving just like a little bit of stop motion in there. Because I can relate to that as a kid too. Like if you would have asked me when I was like 12 what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have said, oh, stop motion animation or I I would say claymation. Yeah, I was really into any movie that was made via claymation. I thought it was so cool. I would watch the behind the scenes and, and I would love looking up how people did it. Like it, it was like um, what's the movies? James and the Giant Peach mm-hmm. and um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Those were some of my favorite movies because they were claymation, and I just thought it was so cool that somebody just played with clay and made a movie. So I'm right there with you. It's just it is like that, that like feeling where you're like, I could do that. I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Hire me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, this is like the third time in the last week that my little stop motion Star Wars movie movies have been brought up, and so they're around my parents' house somewhere. I'm gonna try and go find them to watch yes, them again because, please. yeah, digitalize it, let's post it. <laughs> <laughs> the world needs to see this. Yeah, <laughs> I'll go find those hopefully within the next couple weeks and see what I can do. I don't know how to digitalize them, but we'll see. But yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it's funny how Star Wars is constantly on the brink of new innovations as far as special effects and technology, and yet mm-hmm. they want to go back to essentially purposely mm-hmm. using less technology for creatures and you know things. They want practical effects in there because that's what is that's genetically what makes up star wars you know the practical effects and the special effects together and they do a fantastic job i mean just watching just watching this behind the scenes thing about the practical effects even with um the child you know baby yoda and the innovation that they use with that and how they came up with that and all the they showed us all the kind of initial drawings of it and some were too ugly and some were too cute and you know it's crazy how they went from a to z with that i know every time they showed a new one i would just like scream laughing i was sitting there with my husband on the couch and he was like what is so funny i was like i don't know all these little different ugly baby yoda drawings are killing me it's so cute yeah i think they picked the great the best one though oh my god 100 percent. sometimes you look at like um concept art and you're like oh that would have been a really cool character mm-hmm. oh i really like that old design and they'll make action figures of like concept art but i don't think they're gonna do no. that with baby yoda <laughs> <laughs> but it took four puppeteers at any one time and there was like five of them there's another person like rotating in so there's four people controlling one little yoda baby mm-hmm. i love that they all just called him baby Yep. And they, like, talk to him like that would be me. It's but hard like, not to. Like, oh, you, you had... Right. They, like, had to acknowledge him. Like, they would come in on set and be like, oh, how's the baby doing? And be like, that. yeah, how 
how could you not? He's <laughs> how could you just look at him and not give him his time that he needs, <laughs> whether right. he's on your shelf as a little pop or it's on set <laughs> when he's moving. And oh my god, he just looks so real. He's so cute. Gina Carano made me laugh when she's like, "How are people talking to it? It's not even real." And then you're like, "But I talk to it oh, too." Wait, so I... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait for my life size from Sideshow. That's going to be awesome. One thing that I did notice, too, is that as they were doing the little clapper, I'm sure there's a technical term for it, but like when you say action, you, you know, do the clapper thing. It said Huckleberry on it, and that is a code name for the show. And obviously, with Star Wars becoming so popular, they need to do that. And I really like seeing some of that stuff because when pops come out, Right, So I work at a collector store, and so we'll get notifications from Funko that'll be like, okay, we have a Huckleberry you know, set coming out. And you're like, Huckleberry, what the heck is that? And then you get it, and it's like, oh, these are the Mandalorian. It says Huckleberry on the box or whatever. And oh. when, when Solo came out, the code name for that was Red Cup. And so I actually kept a box that's, that has a street date on it because all the, you know, a lot of times for Star Wars, they'll have like, you know, release dates, specific street date release dates for merchandise. And so it has like a little stop sign on it. It says, stop, do not open before this date. And on the side, it says red cup. And so I kept that just because it's cool to have a code name for stuff on it. You know, I'm surprised that that code name continues through all, all the way until they get to the outlet merch stores. Like that's, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I, I'm excited to see what some of these other code names are going to be. I know the code name for episode eight was Space Bear. So was it space? It was Space Bear. It wasn't Space Panda. Right, Space Bear. Okay. Yeah, but there's a lot of merch with you know bears and and stuff on it from the crew. So anyway. Um, But yeah, I thought these were awesome, Um, you know, even to see some really seasoned actors like Werner Herzog talk about how, you know, he feels like there's no boundaries with technology and and the Mandalorian as as a whole. I mean, you know, you have this little baby that looks so real that when he moves, his eyes move to the way that he's turning his head and his ears go up and down and, you know, it's just crazy. And they spent three months building the child prop, so... Uh. Was he the one that uh, Deborah Chow was saying was directing the actual baby? Yeah. He was. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure, like, yeah. She's like, I was directing him, and, and he was directing the puppet as if it was a real baby. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and he was like, you guys need to commit to this. Commit to the magic. <laughs> just so cute. I just love how much they all enjoyed working on it. Yep. It's so cool to see. I think my favorite thing out of this whole thing is something that Dave Filoni said, and that's not surprising because Dave Filoni speaks gold. But at the end of this episode five, talking about practical effects, Dave mentioned that it's all about passing on what you've learned. If you think about what Yoda says in episode six to Luke, you know, pass on what you have learned. And so that's the same mentality that they have at Lucasfilm. So obviously Star Wars has been around for 43 years. People come and go within the company. But 
they have such a tradition and such a way of doing things at Lucasfilm that it's all about kind of passing on that tradition, you know, passing the torch to someone who's going to understand it and teaching them about what Star Wars is at its core. So I mm -hmm. thought that was awesome, passing on the knowledge, even through Lucasfilm, not just in Star Wars. So, And that's the only way we're going to continue to get such amazing content that we've gotten you know, 40 plus years later, like yep. that's, otherwise it just lives and dies with one person. So it's, it's really cool that they're, they're always passing the torch and we can count on Star Wars for a long time to come, I think. Yeah. Any final thoughts on the Mandalorian Disney Gallery docuseries? Just, I, I mean, there's, I feel like I know so many people that they don't like to watch behind the scenes stuff because they think it's boring but this stuff is just it's magical it's so cool you're watching technology advance right before your eyes and you get some really awesome insight from these guys on such a revolutionary show that the mandalorian was just a one mind-blowing season that i can't wait to get more of so highly highly recommend checking these out especially while we're all sitting here bored in quarantine it's it's really worth watching so it's looking like i think we have three more since that was episode five so we got three more of them and i'm very excited to watch those and we'll be talking about them as we continue to do twin sons episodes uh moving forward so hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode talking about the mandalorian disney gallery series for book club we started now that we're in june uh queen's peril by ek johnston so hopefully you guys are following us on twitter and on facebook to participate in the book club discussions and space buns is going to be doing another episode hopefully within the next couple weeks here so we'll have that out and more how's your star wars stuff coming up on our youtube channel as well so it's going to be pretty busy for upcoming content jesse if people want to continue to be on the lookout for this content where can they find us on social media you can find us on facebook twitter instagram and youtube all under the handle at twin sons outpost all right and if you're looking for places to listen to our show you can find us on our website which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com click on the podcast tab on the left hand side you'll find all of our episodes there you can also find us on the star wars podcast app through the google play store and on itunes and if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard go ahead and give us a good review wherever you listen to podcasts Thanks so much for listening to episode 171 of Twin Suns Transmission. Hopefully everyone will stay safe and healthy. We'll see you next time, and as always, may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always.
I'll beat you to rendezvous point on Halloween. You're starting to do a lot of things.